Welcome to Animal Cafe, where you'll hear weekly interviews with experts and enthusiasts working to better the lives of animals, and a monthly segment reviewing fun, fabulous, and useful products for your pets. Check our website, animalcafe.co, for more. Thank you for joining us today for another episode of Animal Cafe. We're joined today again by Jackie Redford, experienced and very successful dog breeder. Welcome, Jackie, and thank you very much for being here with us today. So let's talk a little bit about the the um, lifestyle of the dogs that, that are bred by an ethical breeder. What age do you normally recommend starting to breed, Jackie? I don't think any female should be bred before she's two years old. And kind of kind of like two years has always been kind of like the standard because you don't get your certifications until you're two. And um, so you want all those certificate, all those health screening certifications on board before you before you breed. But also you want to know that this dog is fully grown. You don't want to breed like a teenager, <laughs> you know. And um, but you know, by the time they're two years old, you have a real good idea um, of what their health status is, and um, you can have assessed their temperament. And all that, you know, and plus if you're showing you, if it's a good dog, you finish a championship by that time. And um, so you kind of get everything in place. But I think the most important thing is that they have to be mature enough to carry a litter of puppies and then nurse them without having it uh, be detrimental to their own health. Well, that makes a lot of sense. And how about the males? Same age you for know, them? I would say, yeah. For the most part, I there are I've had exceptions to that rule, um, where I have bred males that are under under uh, two years of age, and um, you know there's two schools of thought on that. What I had always done with my dogs was um, I started I preliminary tested everything at one year. That way, you know if you if you've got a dog that's plastic at a year old, then you, then you know for certain that that's a genetically dysplastic. And sometimes at two years old, you know, it might not look real good, but then you don't know how much of that is an environmental impact or how much of it's genetic. But if you do it at one year and you see it's clearly dysplastic, then you know. So I always did that, and I always prelimed everybody at a year. And I mean, I prelimed everything. The heart, the ears, <laughs> the thyroid, everything is prelimed at one year. And then I would redo them at two. And I did have a couple of males that I did um, the first breedings I did at home with one of my own females. And because um, I wanted to know what was going to happen. I wanted to know what that dog was going to produce before it was going to be put to the public. So I would breed him um, based on those two months. And I sweated it a couple times because <laughs> <But laughs> it's like, you know, it's like you have buyer's remorse. This is breeder's remorse when you lay in bed at night and go, oh, God, what have I done? But um, but it always worked. It always did work out. And I was very glad I did that because then I had a real good idea of what this dog was going to produce. And then I could say when I was approached by people who owned females that wanted to use that particular dog, I could say, okay, I bred him to 
a female that is this percentage related to, and this is what we got. So now we can look at your female and what percentage he's related to her and extrapolate what our risks are. And um, so everybody can go into this with their eyes wide open and know exactly where the problems lie and what the risks are for having those problems um, you know, come to fruition in a puppy. And so I, I did that most of the time on my male. And then another thing I did, too, which most people don't do this, that first year, I would breed that. After I did my test breeding at home, then that first year, I would breed several bitches, let that dog breed several outside bitches. Then I'd take him off the market. And we'd sit and watch, because now I've got a good crop of puppies to look at if he sired several litters. And then we can assess them. And then, are you just waiting for those puppies to grow up a little bit and see what, yep. what they now look like? We, right. So now we wait, and then when these puppies are a year old, let's prelim everything, see what we got. And let's assess our temperament. And um, plus overall breed type and character and physical soundness, you know, the confirmation and the whole thing. Then we can proceed from here. So, you know, by the time the dog was three or four years old, there were some litters. But not so much that, you know, it wasn't just willy-nilly. There was actually a method to the madness there to really to really know. So we could really know exactly what we were going to get. Very interesting to do it that way. Yeah, I imagine it is. And I imagine a lot of times you get unexpected results. Sometimes. Sometimes we did. And um, I had one particular dog that uh, he would have been termed a sport. He was not um, very inbred himself. I think he was like 4.9% with his inbreeding coefficient. But every female that we bred him to, regardless of how related or unrelated they were, and most of them were would be considered outcrosses, he reproduced himself in every litter. So it got to be a joke. And we'd say, well, if there's a big red dog and a matching female, keep him. Because every litter, there would be a big red male that looked like him and a female that looked like him. Huh. Interesting. And then the rest of them were kind of assorted and maybe looked like the mother. <laughs> there was like this little set of twins, these little bookends that looked like, and it just got to be a joke. If it's a big red one, keep it. And there was, there was in just about every litter he hired, we had that. So I thought that was real interesting. Yeah, yeah, it is interesting. But with your females, Jackie, how often are you going to be breeding them? You're certainly not going to breed them on every heat cycle, correct? No, no. And um, I only bred my bitches, each of my bitches, three times when they were done. Um, I figured if I bred each female to three different males, and each one being, you know, a really awesome choice for for her genetically, then in those three breedings, if I had done my job, I was going to get the best I was ever going to get from her. And the purpose is not to keep breeding and just making puppies. The purpose is to make a few good ones. So I would do those three breedings, and then those girls were done. They were spayed. And very seldom did I ever repeat where I take the female to the same male. Because if I did it the first time and I got what I wanted, then... 
It makes no sense. And if I didn't get what I wanted, then it makes even less sense. So I very, I didn't do repeat periods very often. There was a couple in there, but actually two. But um, for the most part, that's how there's just three breedings per female, and then they're they're done. They're retired, and they go and lay in the bed, and that's all they <laughs> do for the rest of their life. <laughs> A lot of these things that we've been talking about, the genetic testing, the, the pedigree analysis, um, you know, the, the breeding practices as far as the ages, the, how often they're bred, these are the things that are going to set an ethical, responsible breeder apart from places like puppy mills and even um, backyard breeders or whatever oh, you want to call them, hobbyist breeders, correct? Yeah, absolutely. You know, the puppy mill, that's an industrialized commercial operation. And there's, I mean, oh my gosh. Um, they just, those bitches are bred over and over and over and over again. They live in cages. That's all that, they are just there to be breeding machines. And, that's all uh, they know is, is life yeah. in a cage. They that's don't get it. out of the cage. Yeah. They, that's, you know, and that's, that's, indu- that's where they are. That's, yeah. That's an industrial thing. You know, we do industrial breeding in this country. Look at the cows and hogs and and chickens. That's what we that's what we do in this country is industrial breeding. And with the, with the dogs too. I think it's a terrible thing. But you know, and somebody's making money on it, so it's going to be around for a while. And then the other class is I I considered myself to be a hobby breeder. I didn't do it for fame or fortune. I didn't do it because I was making any money because I didn't. <laughs> I broke <laughs> even I was really happy. <laughs> and um, in and there's a plan and there's the, the genetic screening and the dog shows and the performance events and, you know, all that stuff. And then you have the, what most people call them backyard breeders. I call them the amateurs. And those okay. are the ones that they'll get a dog. Oh, and look, I've got a dog and you you have a male and I have a female and let's do this. And um or they may even go get buy a show dog and finish it and then turn around and breed it. Most of the time they're only last like four or five years. That's the average on on those on those kind of breeders. And they'll you know, they'll maybe finish their buy a female and finish their championship and have one litter and realize how much work that is. It's an incredible amount of work if you're going to do it correctly. And and then they say, okay, well, we're done. That was good. And then, <laughs> and those are the ones that uh, we have to kind of watch out for. But I think the, the, the majority of the pet population that we're seeing that shows up in um, the shelters and the rescues, I don't think are from the hobby breeders. I think those are from the commercial breeders, the ones that are sold to pet stores. And, you know, I think that's an important point to bring out and an important point for people to understand. Well, thank you, Jackie, very much for joining us today. You've been very enlightening. Take care. So that's it today for another episode of Animal Cafe. Please be sure to join us again next week when we'll be bringing you another informative and fun podcast. Thank you and have a great week.